VGS is a great idea to shift the data that's sensitive off of your plate so that when you do have an incident, it's not a catastrophic in the news incidents. It's just more like, hey, someone breached the fences, the perimeters breached, but they didn't breach the data. Cockroach DB is the only bug you'll ever love because it's the only one you don't have to worry about. As a low-touch SQL database that automatically handles scale, operations, and uptime, CockroachDB lets you focus on developing. Get your free cluster and a free t-shirt at cockroachlabs.com slash stackoverflow. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Stack Overflow podcast. I am Ben Popper, Director of Content here at Stack Overflow, and I have a great guest today. He is coming to us from a cybersecurity firm, and I just feel like I see this stuff all the time in the news. It's it's constant. It's a wave of sort of ransomware and state level this. So we wanted to bring in some experts and chat, learn a little about his business and the tech stack that goes behind it. So welcome to the show. Tell people who you are and what it is you do. So my name is Mahmoud Applicator. I'm the CEO of Very Good Security. And uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for having me here, Ben. Oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I get to tell us a little bit of sort of like your backgrounds. Yes. Like what brought you to the role you're in now? Did you start learning this stuff early on? Was it something that came to you late? So, yeah, when I went to college, I studied computer engineering. But before that, I actually learned to program when I was about 14 years old. I uh, was introduced to a game called Age of Empires and uh, Warcraft 3. And I mm -hmm. used to actually build no fog hacks for that. And to be able to do that, I had to learn how to basically reverse engineer the assembly so I can figure out kind of like how it would work and how it would introduce some of these things. So that's kind of how I learned to program, how I learned to be a technologist. I took a C++ course in high school. We were very fortunate to have that in my high school, but then ultimately just led me to going to college and learning to become a computer engineer where I learned really kind of like how kind of the hardware and software fit together. So that's, so that's really kind of like my educational background. Gotcha. And were you focused on security at that university level or that came later? Uh, I actually took something called cryptology and then I had a minor in discrete mathematics, which is the foundational mathematics behind today's cryptography and the theory behind it. But I didn't actually realize that I was going to use it at any point in my career. <laughs> I just really liked it. And really only in this company has that started to really start to make sense, right? Um, going back to like group theory and understanding kind of all about, you know, Fermat's theorems and factoring of numbers, all of that made sense at the time, but I didn't really see how applicable it was my day to day. But at VGS, it's something that, you know, it's very important as we think about how we unlock more value from data without having to decrypt it. Yeah, it's always been like sort of part of the Stack Overflow DNA. Uh, Math Overflow was one of like the earliest sites created. It kind of has its whole own culture and is is quite a large site full of pretty serious academics. So let's continue down that thread a little bit. Tell us about the business that you helped to create and that you run now, um, You know what it intends to do. And then, yeah, I'd love to unpack a little bit about, as you were saying, where math plays a role there. Yeah, that's interesting. I actually, so, you know, if you take a step back, kind of starting a business today is just hard enough, right? Mm -hmm. And so, but data security, compliance, and privacy regulations make it even harder to innovate. These laws are passed, and ultimately, they do contribute to, through some chain of events, the regulation actually makes the folks who are entrenched that have deep pockets compete more than folks who are starting to innovate, right? As you start to innovate, and now you have all these different compliances to be able to comply with, and data security postures, 
it becomes more and more of a barrier to entry to be able to start to innovate. Oh, yeah. Like, I've been through a SOC 2 audit. It's a huge amount of overhead from a lot of different teams. Yeah. Right. And so compliance, some folks then take compliance as a checkbox exercise. And mm-hmm. some folks are like, well, this is the intent behind the compliance is really security. So, you know, to be able to understand kind of how to govern and have best of you know best in class security processes in place so that we can build that security DNA. Right. And so really companies end up doing exactly what you're saying, right? Which is a DIY solution just to go to market <laughs> or they find or they find a vendor that like gives them the ability to automate the checkbox. Right. But really the checking the box is not the intent of these regulations. These regulations are actually trying to make us stop and think and try to understand, okay, like why would we need the data, right? Like, why do you need it? Because if you do need it, you're going to have to secure it because the point of the regulation is supposed to get you to think twice, right? But right. actually, it's, hurt, it's hurtful, even though it has, like, really good intent from the beginning. So companies end up just doing exactly what you said. Like, you, did, you went through a SOC 2 audit. You have to go through and basically figure out, okay, do I have data security everywhere? You ultimately end up being, like, a shadow company that has nothing to do with your core competency and staffing it up, maintaining it, getting it done. Totally. totally. It was like a lot of, you know, resources from engineering and then having to talk to legal. And then that was sort of like cascade down. And all of a sudden, like HR or marketing has to go through a bunch of audits and do a bunch of stuff. They're getting Jira tickets. They don't know what it's really about. Yeah. And, you know, like people are asking, oh, can we, you know, tweak this or that in product because it's going to, you know, loop back and cause this issue in GDPR. And it's like, you know, it takes everybody way off track from the roadmap that you had. Exactly. And so, but you think about what it is, is like, if you take a step back, you're like, well, why are you doing all of that? And so it turns out that you're trying to unlock some value of data because the data kind of was spread all over the enterprise or whatever company that you're in. Then you have to bring in legal and HR and you know your office administrator has to now be involved in like procuring laptops. And so the VGS is just trying to move you away from saying, hey, listen, the checkbox is great. But when you do the checkbox, you're just building a better mousetrap. It's just better if you eliminate the mice altogether. And if you mm-hmm. take that approach, what can you do or what you know, what can you do to minimize the creep of compliance and regulation to avoid mm-hmm. stifling product decisions? That's actually our biggest revenue driver is product innovation. And you know, it turns out that if you shift the sensitive data from your custodianship to somewhere else, very similar to our money today, you shift mm-hmm the money from you know under your mattress to a bank today, you can actually unlock more value from it if and only if you invert the relationship between the data and the compute. And that's very important. And you might be like, oh, what does that mean? But actually very important. So think about I, an I Excel do wonder, file. I, I am wondering, yes. Break it down for me. Okay. So think about like an Excel file. If I sent you a CSV with a column of you know the number one, then I asked you to sum that up for me and I have an Excel file, typically what I'll have to do is I'll have to make a copy of my file by sending you, you now have two copies, identical. I have a copy, you have a copy. You then open up your Excel, Microsoft Excel program, mm-hmm. you import that CSV, and then you run the sum function on that column to create the number 10, right? Like mm-hmm. I summed the column the one 10 times, I get 10. So when we say inverting the relationship between compute and data, what we say is you send the sum function instead to a neutral Switzerland. And then I send my CSV to this neutral Switzerland. And then what ends up happening is then it computes 
and then I get the number 10, you never saw the data, but you still were able to operate on the data, right? You're still mm -hmm. able to provide that function there. And that's okay. really what VGS does. It inverses the relationship that we have typically with compute, with data. And we do this today. We do that with money. We don't usually go to the ATM and take money out unless we have to. Mm -hmm. Usually, most of the time, we send Venmo or Square Cash, or we get on our, our banks and send Zelle or Wire. We send an exchange value of money without physically moving custodianship all the time. Right. And so, how can we apply that same principle, that same experience to data, mm -hmm. which is already inherently digital, in the same way that we do it with money today? And that's really the thesis behind VGS. That's what we do in a nutshell. We are effectively infrastructure for moving data so that you can move the value to maximize it without having to have it in your custodianship. So are you Switzerland in this equation? Are you the neutral party or are you the one who enables some other party to be Switzerland? No, so we would be Switzerland, right? So the idea here mm -hmm. is that we would govern the use of data based on the laws and the regulations that are required to be able to hold that data. So that just like your bank manages all the different acts that the treasuries and the, the treasury department and the Federal right. Reserve enact, you don't, as a consumer, care about that, right? Even right, though you right, hold right. the cash, but you expect your bank to comply with it. And that's really what VGS does. It just right, complies right. with all these different regulations and jurisdictional problems that, that come about. So I have this like, yeah, sensitive customer data that comes from, you know, clients, or I have user data, which has, you know, you know, PII that I don't want to accidentally let go of. But I also want to interact, as you said, with that data, and I might want to do it with a bunch of different services. So if I want to use some of that client and customer data through a Salesforce or an intercom, or I want to use some of that you know, customer data and I want to put it into you know, a Marketo or a Iterable, how do you, you know, sort of facilitate that chain of events? Yeah, that's a really interesting question. And so what we do here is by building a, it's a basically an agentless VPN, right? And so what's an agentless VPN? It's basically like a web proxy. I'm sure we've all done it where we've anonymized our proxy, right? We go to like the settings, mm -hmm. we go to like the network settings, we go to proxies. Oh, yeah. I have to use a VPN for work now. It's like a remote work reality. Right, yeah. right. Okay, so so... Instead of installing a VPN, one way to do this would be like, let's configure the proxy parameters of your system or browser or whatever or application, right? To speak through a proxy that VGS provides for you. Mm -hmm. And so you get to interact with Salesforce or you get to interact with all the services that you just mentioned with this like alias data. It's just a substitute, it's a synthetic substitute that has like, the preserving properties of the underlying data. So you might have something that's like, you know, instead of a 16-digit card number, you might have like a 20-digit one, right? Or a 20 alphanumeric one. Or you can even create a very similar 16-digit mm. uh, one, right? And the whole idea is that, or an email address. So you send this fake data to Iterable, or you send that fake data to, you know, Salesforce or Stripe mm -hmm. or whomever. Through the proxy, VGS intercepts that payload, understands and sees that redacted alias, and then rewrites on the fly that payload and embeds the real sensitive data in it. And that's where the policy execution engine comes in and says, oh, are you allowed to send that data to that destination? Did right. you authenticate yourself properly when you did that? Is your you know, system patched and up to date? All of these different things that we can take into account to say, hey, this is an authorized reveal of data and a transmission. And so the good news is because it's a VPN-like system, like a proxy, we don't have to program and hard code integrations into like Salesforce or like, you know, I don't need to do that. You just still use the data normally, 
But mm. before we transmit it, we basically deduce the value that you're trying to extract from it and then replace the sensitive data that replace it in, in line, right. in real time, as it goes to its destination. That's really interesting. So I guess, right, you know, if I were to play devil's advocate here, I would say, this sounds great. Let's say I've started a new company. I'm at 50 people, but I have, you know, now international customers and some of them are financial institutions or healthcare companies. You know, I want to scale up, but I understand that there's going to be huge overhead, you know, with SOC 2, GDPR, and you had a number of others listed on your site. I haven't personally had to contend with them, but I'm sure they're just as bad. I can, you know, get this sort of one-stop shop here, which is basically like a cloud service of sorts. I don't know if it's also local, but in essence, it's going to allow me to, whenever I send data, it's going to, as you said, like disguise it or, you know, change it slightly, intercept it in the middle, clean that up, and then send the real value after checking to make sure that everything, you know, has been done securely. And if there's some change to GDPR or SOC 2, it's on you, not on me, you know, to like figure out how to comply with that. I guess the question would be right. Like, then that means I have to trust you as opposed to, you know, like doing it myself. So like you are now, now you've added a, a, a security vector that's like outside of your own company. And then, right, you know, what is the chance that when you're like changing the data around, you know, it somehow gets corrupted or, you know, becomes incorrect. And then I guess finally, you know, like what is the latency here? Like how much overhead does it add to do this? So I'll put those three questions to you. Great question. I'm going to address the second one and then the pre-question first, which is, yes, it is a cloud-based system. That's true. But, you know, one of the major improvements of, I think, VGS that, you know, very good security that brings to the market is this developer experience, right? So my company before this that I sold, I sold it to Stripe. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that, you know, Stripe's known for, my, my previous company, Balance, was known for was like how awesome a developer experience that was, right? And so the idea is that, okay, what can we do to make it such that the developer experience, when you use sensitive data, is very much in line with your normal developer workflows, right? We want the developer to like not think too much about sensitive right. data because as you know, especially Stack Overflow, copying, <laughs> pasting is exactly like what, how most developers work, right? And so the, and then they try something yeah. out and they, set, they ship it and then that's the like minimum value that they deliver. So the idea is that, okay, like let's not overcomplicate this. We don't need a PhD to be able to add sensitive, you know, to be able to use sensitive right. data. We just need to be able to extract value from it. And so that's really what VGS is going to do. So, so, that to, so we created a local replica of VGS called mm -hmm. Satellite interesting name that you can literally just install locally and it mimics the the environment that you would effectively develop mm -hmm. against on right. VGS so that you're able to kind of understand how to do this mm -hmm. locally right that's super important and then so that that hopefully addresses kind of like you know but in terms of when you go to production we don't host anything locally right the idea is that you you're supposed to trust VGS because we have all these different locations and regions so that we can silo your right. data based on the, you know, you know, based on the geographical tendencies. If you're like, I need to install it in my data center in Florida, for example, and you have European data, how do you satisfy data sovereignty laws that way? And so it becomes very difficult to deploy VGS locally. So what we do is we shy away from, listen, it's not something that this works locally, but you can have a local experience as you develop, right? So hopefully that addressed pre-question and then the, per <laughs> the pre the question yeah, yeah. and then the, the okay. second question. So the first, and then the fir your first question was, you know, you have to trust VGS to kind of offload its security. And to that, I say, look, we've already, that, that, that makes sense. And I think that question made sense you know, even in 2000 when, you know, the first cloud providers were coming out because they basically, it's not a client server model, but they were like, listen, let us host your app. And I think now that we trust 
effectively Amazon Web Services and Google Cloud and all these things. We we have developed ways to basically say, listen, let's push our data to these elastic compute mm-hmm. clouds, right? That will be able to perform operationally mm-hmm. better and it more efficient and effectively than me building it in-house. So that means like, so VGS isn't for everybody. If you are determined to have your own data security and you want to build a VGS-like clone in your own organization, I mean, there's nothing stopping you. If that's the best use of your time for your business, then that's fine, right? But the the point is like, the idea is supposed to say, hey, listen, you don't go to a dentist to operate on your Mm -hmm. heart. You go to a specialist to operate on your heart, right? And so the question becomes, why don't we go and give data to the folks whose primary mission is to protect it and comply so that you just focus on the thing that you do best, right? And so the third question, I don't know if I answered okay, the third let's question, but your third question was latency. Yes, we. that's a very important conversation. We constantly monitor that and we have infrastructure that we've deployed to the mm-hmm. edges Right, so that we are able to push out that logic to the edges, but that's ultimately the thing that VGS focuses on. Is listen, we're an infrastructure company. We totally understand what an infrastructure company, and we take that job really right, seriously. Right, right. So I have I have two final questions before we wrap up, and we might be able to skip the first one easily. But I sort of remember a presentation from Apple where they were talking about you know the encryption that they do, which is biometric, and how they can share that with all these other providers in a way that doesn't like ultimately give the other provider a look at your data at all. So is that similar to what you're talking about with this neutral switching in the middle? Like Apple has... So this goes back to, well, did you study mathematics in college and how does this tie back to your company? Exactly, right? So it turns out that that's called privacy-preserving analytics or, you know, differential Mm -hmm. privacy, homomorphic encryption. There's all of these different little things that, you know, are still being developed Mm. today that allow us to you know, figure out what's the best path for the type of analytics or processing that you're trying to do. And so the easiest way to do it is introduce noise and then filter out based on some variables to say, hey, listen, like, let's say your zip code is like, you know, 21030, right? Like in this case, VGS will say, it's, oh, it's 21035, like very adjacent county. And so because you don't need you don't need that kind of like specificity. Right. And so the idea is that VGS is trying to understand which path to take and lets you operate. And we've actually created a subset of Python that we've derived from Google's Bazel language called Starlark. It's hermetically sealed. And we've actually modified it to comply with a subset of Python's interface. So you know, in this case, we call it Starlarky, right? Because after Starlark. And so Starlarky is actually a subset of Python. So it is basically, if it works in Starlarky, it will work mm-hmm. in Python. And, and the idea is that if you're a data scientist and you're using it to, to run all your analytics and stuff, because mostly you're using something like a Python right. language, VGS can actually translate that into Starlark and give you the ability to push that logic Again, remember that some function with the Excel push that logic to the data to operate on it. And so what ends up happening is you start running all these analytics and in a way that has a privacy mm. budget. And that's how you can achieve a lot of the things that you're descri- describing here. But obviously, we, we're not claiming we have homomorphic encryption because sometimes that's incom- computationally infeasible. Right. But it is an active field of research we're looking into to see where the advances have made so that we can understand at what point does it make sense. Okay, very cool. 
All right. Last question before I let you go. You know, I, I think probably the biggest security story of the year was um, the solar winds attack. Uh, you know, that happened sort of very early on in the supply chain and then filtered out to all of these large companies and federal agencies. So, you know, put yourself, you know, obviously hindsight is twenty twenty, but like if they had been a client of yours, would you have been able to see that in some way or prevent that in some way? Like, you know, going all the way down to sort of like these elemental levels of the software supply chain is what made that so effective. Where would a service like yours play into uh, preventing something like that from happening? It's like it's hard to say, right? If we were able to prevent that or not, because that that failed on so many defenses that I think the whole point of defense in depth, I think, was right. violated. So the way VGS works is the idea is that even if you're hacked, what are they going to hack? Just meaningless mm. data, right? So in that retrospect, maybe the credentials that they would have used to like go and then proxy chain and attack to another mm-hmm. system that would have been prevented by something like a VGS but like whether or not like we were able to say hey like the checksum verification of the file that you download is just different like that's not right. what we do what we do is we focus more on like the individual pieces of data that contain that sensitive you know that that are sensitive themselves those are the ones that are, you know, are very, very, um, that we can potentially shield you from. So the idea is that VGS is a great idea to shift the data that's sensitive off of your plate so that when you do have an incident right. like this, it's not a catastrophic in the news incidents. It's just more like, hey, someone breached defenses, <laughs> the perimeters breached, right. but they didn't breach the data. Does yeah, that make yeah. sense? That makes a lot of sense. All right. I am Ben Popper, Director of Content here at Stack Overflow. You can always find me on Twitter at Ben Popper. Email us podcast at stackoverflow.com. And if you like the show, do leave a rating and a review. It really helps. Why don't you say who you are, what you do, and where you can be found on the internet if you want to be found. Sure. Uh, so my name is Mahmood Abdelkader, right? And you, you can find me at twitter.com slash Mahmoodimus. Uh, that's M-A-H-M-O-U-D-I-M-U-S. And uh, you can find me on just our website, verygoodsecurity.com. We're always looking for really smart folks to come join us. So, you know, we have a puzzle that you can solve, puzzle.becomeverygood.com. And uh, if you solve, I will personally contact you if you solve that. If you've run out of things to do on, on our Code Golf Stack Exchange, you can head on exactly. over there. Exactly. <laughs> or just said, just, said, <laughs> just said something like jobs at verygoodsecurity.com. But yeah.